Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Alexa Bliss dealing with the social media stalker, Bad Bunny topping merchandise sales, and what does Impact Wrestling need to do to compete with the likes of WWE and AEW? I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerT. TV. Last night was Impact Wrestling, but before we get into that, let's get a look at our breaking news. And one of the most important news to come out of yesterday was Alexa Bliss is now dealing with a social media stalker. He goes by the name on Twitter of Albert Little. He has been harassing the WWE star and her fiance, singer Ryan Cabrera, for weeks now. And the person on Twitter noticed that noted that he was going to make plans to make a trip to her home in Orlando, which had plenty of fans concerned for sure. And I'm not going to read out the tweets here. I don't want to give any more attention to the man that is making these claims and is stalking Alexa Bliss at the end of the day. So if you're interested in those tweets, it's all over the internet. You could find them uh, on Twitter. You could also find them uh, throughout multiple wrestling news sites, but I'm not going to mention them here. We wish the best for Alexa Bliss and her fiance in these tough times. On a good note, WWE star Eric and Sarah Logan had a baby. WWE was definitely glad to hear that as Eric has been on the sideline for a little bit because his tag team partner Ivar is on the shelf with a neck injury. Uh, Sarah Logan was let go from the WWE on Black Wednesday. That was the day when, on April 15th when all those WWE superstars, male and female, even a lot of behind-the-scenes people were cut for financial reasons, even though we know now that WWE definitely has the means to afford a lot of the stars that they let go. But in the better news, Raymond Cash Rowe came into this world 8 pounds, 11 ounces, and 21 and a three-fourths engines long. Both Raymond and the mom, Sarah Logan, are doing great. Congratulations from the Daily DDT family. Bad Bunny topping sales on WWEShop.com. According to Fightful Select, Bad Bunny is the top earner for WWE Shop in 2021. He has sold over $500,000 worth of merchandise. His t-shirt in men's and women's sizes, along with his hoodie, have all ranked in the top four, with number five being Roman Reigns. So can you believe that? Bad Bunny topping the sales. And I've looked at the website and I've seen the shirts. They look great. They're definitely quality stuff and quality wrestling attire, if you will. Personally, myself, I like to collect some wrestling t-shirts right now i'm currently wearing the macho man randy savage shirt with the glasses the purple one we all know that from that special promo back in the day that's the one i'm currently wearing right now so maybe i do need to pick up a bad bunny shirt why not especially if it's becoming so famous definitely something to look out for and you know they give you those promo codes uh, every so often maybe i'll pick it up around the elimination chamber when they give you that buy one get one for a dollar business or whatever Moving on to Impact Wrestling, that was last night, and a fun show indeed, this is the go-home show to No Surrender, and to start off the night, they had a eight-man tag team match, a preview of the eight-man triple threat survival match at No Surrender. Do you know what an eight-man triple threat survival match is? I don't either, but we will find out this Saturday. I was very confused at first because I thought that we were seeing the eight-man 
survival match at the moment, but I was incorrect. I, I, I was completely off. Uh, I It ended up just being an eight-man tag, which makes sense looking back. And the winner of that match, well, the, the members of that match at the beginning, it was Suicide, Willie Mack, and Josh Alexander, and Trey Miguel versus Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Blake Christian, and Davari. Those eight men will compete in the eight-man triple threat survival match at No Surrender. In my head, I believe it's a triple threat gauntlet match. So we all know what a gauntlet match looks like. We've seen that a couple times in WWE in the past few months. Try to imagine that in a triple threat sense instead of just a one-on-one. That's sort of what I'm gathering and maybe has some sort of Royal Rumble twist where they come in at one at a, at a time, maybe not after a pin, but after a time limit. Matt Stryker didn't do the best job describing it to me uh, uh, the, yesterday, but we'll see what it looks like on Saturday. The winners of that match were Suicide, Willie Mack, Josh Alexander, and Trey Miguel. Trey Miguel uh, tapped out Chris Bay. Excuse me, he tapped out uh, Blake Christian. I wanted to make that point saying that he did tap out Blake Christian because there's no reason why Blake Christian should be tapping out at this time. Blake Christian is trying to get a big push here, especially after what he did in Japan and after what he did uh, in Genesis for the the cup and came in second place, did a great job. But (laughs) you look, now he's tapping out the Trey Miguel. Why not let Davari tap out? There's no reason why you need to protect Davari for any way, shape, or form. To protect Blake Christian there. That's all I got to say about that one. After the match, uh, there was a little altercation with Sam Callahan coming on the Jumbotron, calling out Trey Miguel, saying that he might as well quit again now before he quits later down the line, much like how Trey Miguel left to go on to bigger, better things. After that match, Kimberly with Donna Peraza and Susan took on ODB. Welcome back, ODB, into singles action. Uh, I had to remind myself of OB, ODB's unique move set. You know, the Dirty Dozen, the Bronco Buster, and whatever she does with her chest. You know, it's definitely a sight to see. But uh, and, and it does make for a unique match. Jazz and Jordan Grace came in to save ODB from getting attacked on the outside from Perazzo and Susan. This was during the match. The referee was distracted. Uh, ODB enters the ring after the altercation. There was a roll-up, and Kimberly wins. Uh, the microphone levels were a little too low backstage, so you couldn't really hear what the post-match promo was supposed to be coming from Susan uh, and the Donna Peraza and Kimberly, but it ends up turning out to be a six-knockout match at No Surrender. So that's going to be Kimberly, Donna Peraza, Susan, versus ODB, Jazz, and Jordan Grace. We were getting a lot of matches uh, finally confirmed for No Surrender at the Go Home Show. Usually we'll get it a week before, two weeks before. We know what's coming, and we get emotionally prepared for that. No, we were getting it tonight, uh, last night. So a lot to take in, but I'm excited for the match. Uh, there's no reason not to be. Uh, definitely going to be a good contest and Susan has been a a pretty good Karen-esque character and does exactly what a Karen-esque character should. She said, I'm going to go talk to the manager and she did go talk to the manager for a six knockout match at No Surrender. I thought that was pretty cute there. After that, there was the, usually now it's coming weekly at this point, the Swinger backstage poker segment. And it had a lot of cheap humor, but I did laugh at the end of it when Swinger flirted with Alicia Edwards, Eddie Edwards' wife. Big problem I had with this was that the camera was out of focus. 
listen, you might think I'm nitpicking here, but these are the little things that take a show that could be potentially great uh, from time to time. And we're going to definitely talk about that later uh, to making it a joke. Production value, in my opinion, is very, very, very important. And it's the little things you do. The, what you have on screen can be great, but if no one can see it and if it's out of focus, there's no reason why I should care if it seems like Impact Wrestling doesn't even care either. If they don't care to focus their cameras, why should I care? You know, that, that's my argument. Because it's the little things. It's the little, little, little things that you need to do to make things right. But Impact Wrestling made up for that mistake right after in the next segment with Cousin Jake and his promo, best moment of the night by far. He comes out, he cuts a little promo, uh, talking about his cousin Diener, and Violent by Design obviously enters. Eric Young tries to convince cousin Jake to join in. Uh, Jake surprisingly throws down his vest, and Max Stryker almost describes it like he's taking off his second skin, if you will. Stryker does a great job always giving you nice visuals, and he uh, he actually held up a Violent by Design towel. He throws that down as well. Jake stands for something. Jake something. Yes, you heard that right. Jake something. Bringing back the name that he had in the indies. It, uh, when I was... I have used to live tweet a couple of the Impact Wrestling pay-per-views. I think I'm going to start bringing that back now that I'm with Daily DDT and I'm doing these podcasts. I'm going to start live tweeting during uh, the show. It's only for pay-per-views. And uh, paid events, if you will. I'm not going to do it for every single night. That'd be crazy. But I'd made the joke. You got if you're going to break up cousin Jake and Cody Diener, you got to give cousin Jake the respect of a last name. And it could be anything. It could be something. And that was the joke that he it was Jake something. I know it's not a funny joke if I had to describe it, but uh, they give him a last name back. Give him the last name that he used in the Indies, uh, Jake something. And that tied the bow for me. I am so excited for this match between Cody and Jake at No Surrender. And it's to end Jake's sickness. It's to possibly bring Jake into Violet by Design. I'd be all for that. But at the same time, uh, even if they continue to feud, I would love to see this go three, four more matches. Uh, this is a very good glimpse at storytelling that Impact Wrestling can do. This was superb top-of-the-line stuff here when it comes to storytelling but it happens in glimpses with impact wrestling it's not all the time so i'll take the treats where i can with impact and uh there, there were no editing glitches here there was no out of focus here it was in the ring so they did a good job with that so i i know once again i know i'm nitpicking but uh, i feel like those are the little things especially with impact that are holding the back uh after that segment Nevea with havoc went against uh, kira hogan Kira Hogan dominated early on. Nevaeh slows down the pace and takes control. And then Nevaeh wins via DQ as Tasha Steeles attacks Nevaeh in the middle of the ring with the referee watching. No one's even trying to be suspect. I have my roommate in my room with me and he likes to watch wrestling over my shoulder. He's very new to professional wrestling. I've been doing this for years. I know you, you, we all know how professional wrestling works. The referee's back is turned. Things happen in the ring. It happens all the time. 
But when the referee actually sees the disqualification in the middle of the ring, it's kind of uh, relaxing. It kind of uh, takes the burden off of the viewer, especially of a new viewer, knowing that, hey, these referees actually can do something. So I thought that was very cute. Fire and Flava trying to argue that the it's the officials' fault and that they need new officials, but now they need to defend the knockouts title in a no-DQ match against Havoc in the Vega at no surrender. Once again, another match added to the card. And uh, going non-stop here with Impact. Just one after, another, one after another, after another, after another. After that segment, Triple XL, uh, Dashwood, Caleb with a K. They all cut a big promo. And pretty much in sum, I have it in bullet points here. And I think it's almost the best way to describe it. Triple XL won't hit women. So he's not gonna. Neither of them are gonna hit Rosemary. But Tennille Dashwood is a woman, so she can hit Rosemary. Caleb with the K wants a match tonight. Decay finds Black Taurus from Triple A Wrestling, and uh, that that's over in Mexico. This is not his first time in Impact Wrestling. We saw him around this time last year, February first. Oh, excuse me, around this time two years ago. I get my years mixed up. February first, 2019. Teamed, uh, teamed up with the Lucha Bros to beat Santana and Ortiz and Daga. Black Taurus wins in a squash match. One, two, three. Very quick match there. I thought that was cute. And uh, we're actually going to end up seeing now a three-on-three at No Surrender once again. Triple XL with Dashwood going up against Decay of Rosemary and Crazy Steve and Black Taurus. So a lot to take in once again. Getting another match put in the card. Good Brothers uh, in an Impact Championship match. They're they're trying to retain the titles versus Storm and Saban. I, I did talk about this match a little bit yesterday, saying it's always great to see the Good Brothers on uh, Impact Wrestling. But I didn't see in the frying print that it was an Impact Tag Team Championship match. Because they make it so small in their graphics. Once again, those little things. Good Brothers have a tough time early on. A thumb to the eye from Anderson changes the momentum. Private Party and Matt Hardy enter. Watching at the top of the ramp. Not interfering, at least not at the time. Storm was able to take control. Private Party runs down into the ring as Storm and Sabin are going for the pin. The Good Brothers win by DQ and retain. Obviously, Storm and Sabin are going to be mad there. There's no reason why they, they, they should be happy about the outcome. And it makes sense here that now the, the original tag team versus tag team match of Good Brothers versus Private Party at No Surrender is now turned into a three-way tag match, which is Good Brothers, Storm and Sabin, and Private Party. It does spoil it for me a little bit. Good Brothers and Private Party, I would like to see that two-on-two matchup, but given the story that they're telling, I understand why Storm and Sabin are now in this match, and Sabin always puts on a great show, show the Storm, and I really can't deny that in either way. Coming towards the back end of the show, the final segment, Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer had their contract signing, and once again, I'm going to bring up a nitpick point, but it, I think this was the cherry on top for me on why Impact Wrestling and why we're going to talk about in the second se- second segment what does Impact Wrestling need to do to step up to the level of WWE and AEW. There was a point where I believe they were cut for time. It had to be cut for time uh, in, in a pre-taped show, funny enough, where Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer are both sitting at the desk ready to sign the contract, the contract is handed over to Rich Swan first, and it looks like he's about to speak, 
and then he doesn't speak. The, the camera angle cuts. It's a jump cut. The microphone's in the other hand, and uh, Rich Swan just signs and doesn't say anything. Obvious editing mistake, obvious jump cut, and obvious thing that can be fixed. You, there's no reason why jump cuts should be in a professional product. There's absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. That's one thing that irks me to death. Jump cuts. I don't. I can deal with tough storytelling. I can deal with uh, bad mic work, bad promo promo skills. I can deal with uh, in ring errors or botches, right? But one thing I can't deal with is bad production. That gives me the heebie-jeebies, if you will. So, Rich Swan just signs. Dreamer wants to create history once again, and before he gets a chance to sign, Moose enters, and. Obviously causes a commotion himself, believing that he is the rightful champion, holding that TNA, TNA championship belt. Moose and Swan go back and forth in a barking match. And then Tommy Dreamer, in a great segment here, interjects to passionately tell his story on why he wrestles and why he takes to the ring, even coming to the age of 50-year-old, as a 50-year-old, to use his platform for good. And signs his contract, hugs Swan in unification against Moose. And obviously a nice way to end the show. But at the same time, that thing that sticks in my mind is that editing mistake. For whatever reason, it sticks in my mind. So for a final grade on this show, even though there were some great moments in it. The Cousin Drake uh, promo moment turning him to Jake something. Phenomenal moment. Great storytelling. It saved the show. And even that impassioned Tommy Dreamer promo at the end was fantastic. But everything else, and especially those editing mistakes, those little mistakes hurt me a lot. Hurt me a lot. Final grade, I'm going with a D plus. And I know that sounds pretty harsh, but there's a reason why. We're going to get to that later. After the break, we're going to take stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, a sad day, the death of David Von Erich on February 10th, 1984 in Tokyo, Japan, best known for his feuds with Jimmy Gavin, the Freebirds, and Ric Flair, WWE Hall of Famer in 2009, and also the death of Kurt Henning, best known as Mr. Perfect, passed away in 2003 on this day as well. He's best known for his undefeated streak in the WWF in the late 80s and the Intercontinental Championship run he had in the early 90s also had an NWO run in WCW after he left the WWE and will go down in history as one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. He's also a WWE Hall of Famer as well, this time in 2015. Also, February 10th, 1972. I know we're going back, but that's my dad's birthday. Yeah, sorry to date him there, but that's my dad's birthday. I want to give a shout out to my dad here on the, the second episode of the Daily DDD podcast. And he the, the amount of times that he's taken me to wrestling events as a kid, I'm from Queens, New York, so we would go to events, obviously, at MSG. We would go to events at Nassau Coliseum when they held the wrestling events. Remember, they even held pay-per-views at some point at Nassau Coliseum. And as of recently, the Barclays Center, him and me would go, and even my little brother, he, he started to get into professional wrestling at the start of the pandemic. I got him into it because he saw how invested I was, and now he's completely involved. But thank you to my dad. Uh, for introducing me to pro wrestling. It was around WrestleMania 23-ish. My favorite wrestler at the time was Batista, 
and now has ended up turning into The Undertaker as I grew up through my childhood. That whole run with him on SmackDown, up against Edge, and Vicky Guerrero, Teddy Long, all of that. That's my childhood. And you know, I might be looking at that as one of the worst eras in professional wrestling history, but that's what got me into pro wrestling, and I'm still here today, so it's definitely a testament to what that was at the time. And uh, thank you to my dad. Happy birthday, dad. Moving on. We talked about this in the first block, and we're going to bring it up now. What does Impact Wrestling need to do to step to the level of WWE and AEW? First, to preface, they're not. (laughs) They're not going to be able to make it there just when it comes down to the money factor. Tony Khan, extremely rich. Vince McMahon, extremely rich. And not only is he extremely rich, WWE, uh, that the company of WWE, not the, don't focus on the entertainment or the what's on your TV screen. The company of the WWE is almost on the same level, if not the same level as the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, the NHL. They hold that same precedence when it comes to media relations, public relations. You see all the time they go on back when tribute to the troops, when they used to go over to overseas. Uh, you also saw a ton of the charity work that they do. WWE is nonstop when it comes to that, and that's why they're going to be at the top for a long time, no matter what the content is like on the television. But back to Impact Wrestling, what do they need to do from a television standpoint, from what they're doing on the screen, and I hope you hear what I'm saying, on the screen, to reach the level of WWE and AEW? The talent is there. They got Chris Bay. They got TJP. They got Moose, who I'm really, really high on right now. I am absolutely in love with Moose, especially after Hard to Kill. He was not supposed to be in that pay-per-view. He was not supposed to be in that main event, but he was. And he stole that main event from Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Can you believe that? Moose stole stealing a main event from Kenny Omega. He showed up. Talk about a guy stepping up to the plate in an opportunity where this is his time to shine, and he absolutely did that. Without a shadow of a doubt, Moose is one of my top guys right now. I'm super-duper high on him. Other than Moose, Rich Swan, Josh Alexander, Blake Christian, Ace Austin, Trey Miguel, a ton of talent, a ton of talent that really knows how to wrestle and really knows how to put on a good show. They have that there. They need to be able to utilize that to the best of their ability and put on good stories. Speaking of stories, they, they put on good shows as well. I just mentioned Hard to Kill, an absolutely fantastic show. I know I had to shell out $40 for it, but it was worth it. it I would say it was a, the worth of $40 to see, obviously, Kenny Omega on AEW, excuse me, on Impact Wrestling. We see him on AEW all the time. We see the AEW champion, Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling, that was absolutely huge, and in-ring, you know, and obviously all the all the Bullet Club stuff, and besides the main event, that whole card, I really, the only thing I could look back on and say that was pretty bad was the Karate Man stuff, once again, because of the production value, I digress, they also put on some lackluster shows, so this is where the bad starts to come in, look back, I'm talking recent history here, just so everyone has the same idea, especially if you're a little bit new to Impact Wrestling. I get it. Now is the best time to become an Impact Wrestling fan, especially since the AEW connection is there. A lot of people wouldn't have blinked an eye at Impact, but now they are because AEW is giving them that stamp of approval. Even though AEW, even, excuse me, even though Impact and TNA and TNA NWA has been around for so long, 
now they're getting that final stamp of approval from a legitimate brand, they do put on some bad moments and moments that they really need to utilize. They put on a couple bad shows, uh, especially when Kenny Omega was first making his move over to Impact Wrestling to be that guest on the bus, if you will, on how they were doing. They were giving no viewers no reason to continue watching Impact other than Kenny Omega. Impact needs to give reasons on why. Why should I continue watching when Kenny Omega's gone? That's what Impact Wrestling needs to do. Give me a reason why. I found For myself, I found that in Moose. I think I will continue watching Impact Wrestling because Moose is that good. I think I will continue watching Impact Wrestling because I really like this storyline. I think I will continue watching Impact Wrestling because I like this tag team. Whatever it is, Impact needs to be able to give that to us because once AEW is out the picture, what's going to happen? So are the fans coming from AEW. There's no reason for them to be there because all they want to see is their AEW guys. That's what they need to do for me. I was talking about the so Genesis Genesis. The main event was the only thing that irked me about that. It was a little too close to the Roman Reigns Jay Uso I quit match. The Genesis main event was the Willie Mac Moose uh, I quit match, and it almost had the same formula where Roman Reigns said. Uh, I'll quit. You know, he's like, I'm done. I'm not. I quit because I got what I wanted. You know what I'm saying? It's almost that same type of ending that sort of took the sour taste in my mouth because, at the end of the day, they were so close to each other. Hell in a Cell was in October. I believe Genesis was in December or the beginning of. It was in the beginning of January. Uh, Genesis. So, that's what sort of irked me there with that show, and that's what made it a bad show. Even though the 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 cup tournament was great. And now the big thing, the big thing for me on what Impact Wrestling needs to do to step up to the level of WWE and AEW is the little things. They need to be able to focus the camera. They need to work on their editing. Look at what's going on in the background. Lighting, B-roll, all of this stuff. I can give multiple examples for each. The B-roll example sticks in my mind one one of the most because... There was a couple Impact episodes ago where Kenny Omega was on the bus and he was watching the match and they had the sidebar camera with him watching. It was the same clip three times of him watching the match. You're telling me you couldn't have him sit there and react to whatever for two minutes to get as much B-roll as you needed? Even five minutes. Who cares? You have Kenny Omega there. Get as much B-roll as you can. The lighting. A ton of shadows on Impact Wrestling. Focusing the camera. I want to be able to see what I'm watching. All right, I know what this sounds like I'm nitpicking, but when you look at the WWE and you look at AEW, the production value is almost perfect. WWE's production value is perfect. Absolutely perfect. WWE rarely ever messes up when it comes down to focusing a camera or lighting or filming a segment uh, earlier on. They rarely, rarely, rarely mess up. And when they do, it's a big deal. Impact messes up all the time, and that's why it's not a big deal. You don't really hear about it. AEW does have the mishaps here and there, but still, the production value is there. That's my thing with Impact Wrestling. They have the potential to be on screen at the same level as WWE and AEW because they tell good stories, and they're able to develop, especially their young guys, to what where they need to be, you know? So that that's the big thing for me. I need to see the little things improve. My big thing is the little things. So I hope that makes sense to you. <laughs>
<laughs> tonight, NXT and AEW, obviously a huge night for AEW. Kenta and Kenny Omega versus John Moxley and Lance Archer, a false count anywhere match. Unbelievable. Kenta coming over from New Japan. John Moxley, the New Japan United States champion. Kenny Omega, AEW champion. Lance Archer, top guy in AEW. Unbelievable match. Can't wait to watch it. Start of the AEW Women's Number One Contender Tournament. Cody Rhodes is in action, and Chris Jericho is in action as well, along with MJF. And Sting will make an appearance as well. So everything you want from an episode of AEW, NXT, uh, a little less, but this is the go-home show for... Uh, vengeance day takeover vengeance day coming on valentine's day so cameron cameron grimes is making his return and the dusty cup tag team classic for both men's and women's brackets continue as they head closer and closer to the finals that's all for me you can catch this podcast on all your favorite podcast providers if you like the content you hear and here check out the writers at dailyddt.com they do amazing work and if you want to hear more from me Give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.